Hey, so it is my privilege to take us through part two of our series, Follow. And, and the whole idea behind this series and this message is, what does it actually look like to follow Christ? What does it actually mean that, that are we a people or could we be a people that above all else would follow Christ wholeheartedly? That when things would go wrong, would we still turn to Christ? That when things would go absolutely right, would we still turn to Christ? And so the heart behind the message that God has absolutely smashed into my heart to deliver for you guys today is just the concept of can we be a church? Can we be a people that would be absolutely sold out for Christ no matter what? That we would come into a place of chasing our calling above all else. That when Jesus would say go, we wouldn't ask how, who, why, when, and uh, can I just grab a couple of things while your house is burning down or whatever it is. But when he says go, we would say yes and amen. And so for those of you taking notes or, or the ones that we joke about that will make it into heaven first, uh, the title of this message this morning is Chasing the Call. Chasing the Call. See, for a long time, uh, I myself struggled with this concept, struggled with the idea of what it actually looked like and what it actually meant to chase the call of God that He had placed on my life. To, as if you will, if we were to put it into an analogy, that God was constantly ringing my house and I didn't want to pick up that phone. It's like when you got your landlord on the line and you're like, yeah, I know that number. Or it's like, I don't know, if you, if you guys are people and there's a private number and you're like, ooh, I'm asking that, who, who, who could that be? And you always dread the worst. And so for me, it was definitely that concept that I always dreaded the worst when it came to Jesus. Why? Because I had a pretty messed up view of what, what Jesus was and, and what it actually meant to follow or to chase the call of God. And so today we're really going to break open the concept and, and what I really want to start with is, is by sharing. And, you know, in 2012, I, I entered this church. In 2012, uh, we had some awesome breakthrough. Ansel preached about it a numerous amount of times, how we came up to the front. He prayed for us and asked us what we wanted to pray for. And we just said, we're crazy, lunatics, addicted to everything. Pray now, Jesus. And, uh, and then began the journey. Yet it was a time for me where for about three to six months, it was great. You know, generally a lot of us can come into a place where it's a good time with Christ. It's a really great time where we can just be like, woo, hype central, what's up, let's do it. We're super pumped and God is good. And you're like getting to learn Jesus and the, and the blessings and everything. And it's like, yay, it's all but like we're learning to walk. And you're like, yeah, what is this? And then it came to a time, for me at least, where God was like, awesome, I've done so much for you, and I've saved you, and I sent my son to die on the cross for you, would you, would you be ever so kind, and would you relay the message? And for me, I was like, what? Church and and, and believing and being a follower of Ziwe uh, is all about other people? You're crazy. Because for me, I definitely struggled with the concept of what it meant to serve people. 
what it meant to actually be all about other people. I'm like, people, you probably would have seen me at ch- if you were at church in 2012. I will, oh, hey, how's it going? Your choice. Me. Good chat. And so God really asked of me to do something that was not of me at that time. And he called something out of me and I said, yeah, nah. Why? Because it hurt. It was a bit stretching. It was a bit taxing. It was a bit... I was very, very hesitant. And so most of you will know that, that through the rest of about halfway through 2012, 2013, most of 2014... Uh, I just did my own thing and attended church every now and then, and I was just like, yeah, it is what it is, cool, hey, what's up, guys? Most likely just come to youth so I could have a good time, but not a long time. And so I didn't want to hang around because I knew what it meant because I knew the call that God had placed on my life, or at least I had a fair idea. And so began the process began the process of elimination for me and really coming into a place in 2014 on actually recognizing the seriousness and the weight of what it meant to be called on by God. October 2014, this is why I super, I'm super passionate about one conference. Uh, we just had one conference. It was uh, actually two weeks ago now. If you didn't make it, you sort of missed out. I'm not joking. It was super awesome and amazing time. Uh, You could speak to every single person that went. I can guarantee they are sold out advocates in the same way that I am for one conference because it was a magnificent time. 2014, one conference, God finally tells me. And he does what we're about to read in the Bible and places a mantle and says, Orion, I've called you now. And it wasn't necessarily like the phone was ringing. It's like I sort of already had it on speakerphone and he sort of just said, and I was like, oh, well, I can't really deny. I've already sort of answered it. It was a bit too late for that. You know, imagine hanging up and you're like, ooh, it's like when you hang up on, on family members or, okay, maybe I'll just do that. Anyway, so for us, we're really gonna dive into the story and look at two characters, two absolutely awesome characters by the name of Elijah and Elisha. Two prophets, if you will. Now, if you are unsure what a prophet is, uh, a prophet in the Old Testament time, these people were raised and anointed by Christ or by God and were set apart so that they would withstand and speak against the idolatry that was taking over the land. A lot of the land was turning away from God himself or the one true God and was turning to other gods setting up idols and, and, and different things and, and doing their own congregations and, and doing it whatever they wanted. And a lot of it was, uh, it was very, very evil in the eyes of the Lord. For God had spoke, just as, as Michael Cook was talking about, God had spoke to Israel and said, you are a chosen nation. Yet they weren't really acting like chosen people. How many of us can relate? And so... Thus begins the story of the prophets, and and two prophets I really want to highlight today, again, is Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was an absolute man of God, the uh, so-called prophet of fire, and uh, that generally comes out of the story most of you may know of, where he faces 850 prophets of two gods, absolutely obliterates them, has this real awesome battle, and he's like, I'll pray to God, if fire comes down on my wood and lights it up, my God's obviously true, and they're like, sweet as, it's like 150 of us and and only one of you, he's like, sweet, battle on, what's up, game time, boom, God answers a prayer, whammo, and it's all sorted, and they're like, oh man, okay, I guess he is the real thing, 
Yet after that, yet after this amazing victory, like so many of us, Elijah comes into a place of running from Jezebel. Jezebel is the queen or the wife of the king at that time, King Ahab. And from coming on, an absolute victory against 850 so-called prophets sees the absolute work of God, the, the heavens open. I just imagine it's like, it's like pew, boom, sees this amazing miracle take place. And within hours and days, he's running for his life, hiding. A man seeking above all else to chase after the call finds himself in a place where he's not so eager and not so keen. Jesus is on loudspeaker and he's like, because he's not keen anymore. For a lot of us, and, and I know especially I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for you guys, but that's definitely how it was for me. It definitely was like that for me. I, I, I recognized the calling, but I was like, eh, nah, not too cool. And yet again, so after the story, we see victory after victory, and Elijah then gets a word, and we know, some of us may know about Elisha, who is called to be his successor, or his protege, if you will. And so if you would, be ever so kind to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Uh, for those of you who didn't bring your Bibles, shame on you. No, 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 just joking. I'm joking, totally joking. Um, I, I, I definitely learned this trick. If you want to look holy, and you used to be able to do it in like churches that have pews, you can just act like you're bending down picking up the Bible because they used to have them under the chairs. So you can, and so it looks like from everyone from behind you grabbed your Bible out. Anyway, so carrying on. Let us read, she, uh, Ryan, eh, cheeky. Let us read chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Verse 20, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. Then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Verse 21 says, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Whew. Can everyone in the house say, chase the call? One more time. Let's together say, chase the call. The reason why uh, we turn to such scripture and look at such characters is because for us to really follow God wholeheartedly and come into a place of being absolutely sold out above all else, we must first recognize or actually even come into a place of what does that look like? Elisha gives us an amazing picture of what it looks like to actually do and take practical steps in order to chase the call of God that has been placed on his life. And so as we back it up just to verse 19, verse 19 says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha 
uh, son of Shaphat, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he found, oh, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. In the uh, Old Testament, or in uh, the older days, I should say, uh, that you find throughout Old Testament and even through the days of Israel, the concept of throwing a cloak or someone taking a cloak off themselves and placing it on someone else meant it was a change of hands, if you will. It meant that it was a placing of a mantle. A cloak meant so much in Old Testament. And so for Elijah to come, a cloak was everything. It was your protection, it was your blessing, it was your shelter, it was absolutely everything for you. Of course, it was clothing also. But we find ourselves, Elijah places his most prized possession, if you will, upon Elisha. This is the moment where before God, it is ordained that Elisha will be the successor and will be the protege of Elijah, one of the most awesome prophets that ever walked the earth. Hashtag, it's time. And so we find ourselves that for him to place a cloak, this is how I exactly imagine it, because verse 20 follows this along, as Elijah walks up to Elijah, he is the one. Boom. <laughs> Seriously. I, I mean, okay, okay, if you don't believe me. Verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. So obviously, Elijah just rocks up, boom, walks away, because Elisha had to leave his stuff behind. And so Elisha knew what it meant to have a mantle placed on his life. What I mean by that is he understood what the coat meant for him to be placed on his shoulders. Elijah then comes into a place, or Elisha, sorry, comes into a place and recognizes, whoa, this is significant. Elijah has placed his cloak on me. <laughs> How many of us know? Let's say, I don't know, maybe like... Um, some, some awesome celebrity, if there is one, um, some super cool person that, that you possibly admire rocks up to you and they're like, hey, here is my beloved shirt off my back. Or I don't know, if you're, if you're into soccer, you'd probably like that. Um, but in some regards, if someone special came up to you and gave their most prized possession, you'd be like, what do you want from me? But Elisha knows exactly because of the biblical times what it means to receive a coat, what it means to receive a mantle. And without asking questions, whew, hear me this morning, without asking questions, all that he asks is for one thing and one thing alone. And as we read in verse 20, it says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, then I will come back with you. Elijah obviously tells him, go back. What have I done to you? So Elijah leaves, goes back says goodbye. Why? Because he recognizes the calling. Someone in this room say, chase the call. Elisha recognizes in this moment that when he is ordained by Elijah, it's game on. It's go time. And in a lot of ways, he recognizes that it is a high possibility he will not be coming back. So verse 21, and this is absolute keys to success today, is so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Whew. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. This, my friends, is an awesome moment in this biblical adventure where we see Elisha 
absolutely get rid of everything that would ever keep him from going forward. How many of us know that we can find ourselves in situations and in places in our life where we don't step forward because of what's holding us back? Um, Dare I say comfortability. Dare I say relationships. Dare I say a workplace even. This is an exciting moment where Elisha recognizes he's most likely like me. In 2012, we're getting jiggy with it. The church is running awesome. We're having a great time at youth. And Orion's just not keen to answer the phone. So what does he do? Bye. Adios, amigos. Gone. Wasn't keen. Why? Because when God was calling, I was consistently looking back. Tap someone on the shoulder and say, don't look back. I don't know if you heard me right, but I, like... I don't know about you, but I'm a preacher that definitely likes a bit of holler. Like, the louder you get, the faster I preach, the earlier we get to go and enjoy the sun. So if you want to work with me, otherwise I'll just preach three hours and we'll be good. (laughs) Tap someone on the shoulder and say, don't look back. (laughs) See, Elisha, I recognize, was possibly someone that had the same characteristics of me. Again, that if I had something to hold on to, or if I had a little bit of safety net, then I'd be like, oh, okay, but when times got tough, I could still go back. This is a principle that we must pick up. In order to follow God wholeheartedly, we must recognize that sometimes we have to come into a place of absolutely destroying everything so that the only way forward or the only way to go is forward. Whew! Again, church, let us say it. Chase the call. Elisha was all about the call of God. So much so that he said, well, leave on my old job. Sure, get rid of it. But even more so out of this place comes an absolute blessing. He's like, sweet, I'll slaughter. And he's like, sweet, here's the word. Probably prayed like Elijah. Lord, fire. Boom. And then burned everything, cooked the meat up and said, blessed be your people. Here you go, food time. Because it says, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Elisha then becomes the two I see, if you will, of Elijah and starts to learn in and out what it means to be a prophet, how to speak, how to stand, how to walk in absolute authority. And we find ourselves, if uh, we, we don't necessarily have too much time to cover it, but I would highly encourage you, study these two characters and what Elisha then does. Elisha comes into a place of just doing amazing miracles. They're doing it together. They're like, high five, boom, it's going good. Everything's absolutely amazing. It's a wonderful time. And then skipping forward just a little bit, we find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. And it reads, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Man, this is an exciting time. Yet again. Why? Could you just, like, pause, hold button. Could you just imagine, 
you guys are rocking out. You're with your best friend. You're like, man, ministry is lovely, isn't it? Yes, so good. Like today, I had to go have a conversation and sit down, like hospital visit and all. Boom! Out of nowhere, the heavens itself open up, chariot of fire, like blazing whirlwind that it is. And Elijah's like, deuces. (laughs) Gone. At this very moment, Elisha instantly, and I mean instantly, recognizes that the mantle is in full effect, that he is now the prophet. Why? Because he recognizes that Elijah is gone to heaven, that holy, didn't even die. Got, a extra, got this cool VIP entrance. Everyone else is like in heaven, like, whoa, check it out. Anyway. Says right here, and Elisha saw him no more, then he took hold of his own garment and tore it in two. This is where we find ourselves that Elisha tears what he is wearing and the mantle that he has, hashtag protege, and recognizes as we go into verse 13. Elisha then picked up Elijah's coat that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of Jordan. Or on the bank of the Jordan. This is where Elisha steps into the absolute calling. My dear friends, church, let us recognize that there is a practical step that when God says, I have called you by name, we actually sometimes, well most, most often, actually every single time, have to take a practical step in order to pursue the call. Elisha rips his own coat, takes off his old mantle, and picks up Elijah's coat, and there on out becomes the prophet of Israel. What a whirlwind of event. What does this actually mean for us? This, my friends, is because I spent so much time not knowing what my call was, missing the whole point of what it actually meant to be sold out for Christ, and missed many of opportunity to do ministry, to do life, to just share in God's love and God's grace with every single person. Right now, for so long, the church has always put this thing that ministry is all about doing inside of the church. I'm here today to tell you that that is absolutely not the only way to do ministry. If you are working, mean, because if you were a pastor, you'd probably take my job. But if you're working, this means it's a good time because now God has ordained and called you into a place where you can now speak and live in such a way that people would question the spirit that lives inside of you. This is what it means to actually walk out our faith and take up our calling. Someone say, chase the call. Today as a church, would I, oh, I would encourage and challenge you. Today is the day to take up your call of Christ. Today is the day, no longer do we say, oh, it'll be all good on Monday. Or, Pastor Ants, as holy as he is, and as shining bright as his Shekinah glory head is, uh, He'll get it, right? I mean, he will. But how much more could we achieve as a church if every single one of us took up the banner of Jesus and said, no longer will I be ashamed of the gospel, but I will come, I will love, I will serve, I will reach. My friends, if you are struggling with the concept of what it actually means or what a calling is, I highly encourage you, 
Hashtag plug for growth track. If you want to actually figure out your calling and what God's actually placed on your life, I highly encourage you, sign up for the next growth track. It'll absolutely help you in every single way to understand what exactly it is that your calling is and how to outwork it not only in church, but in the workplace. Amen? Whew, I feel like I'm preaching. God is good, eh? Whew. For us to really pursue, we look at this verse and say there are two keys to success. Follow along with me. First step. Because for many of us, we can ask ourselves, what in our life is keeping us from chasing the calling? What in our life is keeping us, literally, and be as honest with yourself, this is a rhetorical question. What is keeping you from chasing God's calling that he's placed on your life? See, for us to really come into a place of actually chasing the calling, I believe, again, the two keys to success. First step, they're real simple. Remove it and destroy it. Second step, pursue the new. Remove it and destroy it. Elisha came into a place where he removed every single comfortable place, every single place that he could turn back from God when the going got tough. He absolutely removed it and destroyed it. Some of you are thinking right now, man, that is a word because I can remove and destroy my family. No. <laughs> Maybe you're just in a season right now where you need to learn a, a bit more extra grace and learn how to actually love people even though they don't sometimes love on you. Whew, that's a word for someone. All of you guys thought you were getting away with it. Yep, Orion's, Pastor Orion said this morning, I can remove and destroy you, mother or sister or father or whoever. No. That is definitely not what I'm saying. But we must recognize and be smart and prayerful about what it means to remove it, to destroy it, and to come into a place of actually being sold out and pursuing the new. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5.17. Man, that's a goodie. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Whoo, who's excited about that? Man, I'm so glad I'm new. The old has gone, the new is here. Can we recognize, that's right, can we recognize that as a church, the labels don't stick anymore, there is no need for anything, the worldly pressures, the, the pressures of society that would seek to absolutely destroy you and take away from what you know is yours, has gone. Absolutely destroyed. Why? Because God said, by your name, I have called you for such a time as this. And all you need to do is operate not by your might, not by your power, but by His Spirit. By His Spirit, the captives were set free. By the Spirit, you will make a way in your workplace. By His Spirit, you will speak life into situations where there once was death. By His Spirit, you will remove it, destroy it, and learn to pursue the new. By His Spirit, church, can we be honest? By His Spirit, let us be a church that would be so Spirit-led that we would absolutely change Hamilton City for Christ. That we would absolutely change New Zealand as a nation and turn everyone to Christ. You have a passion in your heart right now you have a way, you have found victory because of what Christ has done in your life. Let it not stop with you. 
Can we be a church that could dream together, that could love together, that could serve the nation together? And in that, we would see every single seat in this house full, every single service, every single Sunday, every other church that calls Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that banner would be raised. But it first starts with us. Church, can we pursue the new? Can we chase after the call? I wanna leave you with these final thoughts. I was driving to church this morning and it might be a cliche thing, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard it before, but I was sort of just moseying on, driving, worshiping, getting it on. Uh, and then, and then it came to a moment where I clicked and I had this thought, why is the windscreen so gigantic? And I have three small ways in which I can consistently look backward. One way to look forward, three to look back. Now, how does that work? It works because obviously as a road code, we have to, if you want your license, you gotta go do that and you gotta look back every three seconds and do your little thing and whatnot and yada, yada, yada. But who knows, if you're consistently looking in the rear view mirror, you will find yourself crashing into something. That is a word for someone here this morning that no longer will you look back, but we will come into a place of consistently looking forward, focused on the call, and that we would have our eyes fixated on Jesus. Look through the windscreen. The only reason you should ever look back is to focus on what God has done in your life to bring you to where you are now not to focus and ponder on what could have been, what should have been. You know why I'm pumped? Because it took me so long to finally realise that all I need to do is focus and follow Jesus. If you would just get it this morning, look through the windscreen. Look through the windscreen and only ever look in your rear view mirror what God has done to remind you on what He will continue to do.